Hello and welcome to Coffee and Combos with Liz Bullard. I'm Liz Bullard, your host, and thank you again for tuning in for another episode. And this week we have Stephanie Cummings. She is a representative for the East Mountain and East End District of Waterbury, Connecticut. She represents us at the state level. And she does so many things. She's a lawyer, and her resume goes on and on. So, Stephanie, I will let you introduce your own <laughs> self. Liz, thank you so much for having me on for Combos yes. and Convos. Though we're doing tea and Convos oh, tonight. Oh, yes, we have a mint tea today. We do. It's one of my favorites. I don't need any caffeine later in the evening. I'm already highly caffeinated. Um, as Liz mentioned, I'm Stephanie Cummings. I am the state representative for the 74th House District, which is Waterbury's East End and East Mountain. I'm a practicing attorney. I practice at Carmody, Torrance, Sandak, and Hennessy. I've been in the state legislature since 2016, and prior to that, I served on the Board of Aldermen here in Waterbury, uh, both at large, and then we did the, the change where mm-hmm. we went by district, mm-hmm. and I served uh, one term at large and one term by district. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know so you, so, ser- you, you ha- got to see that transition, that change. What a wild change, too, because 2013 mm-hmm. was my first time running, and that oh. was when we were at large, so we were bouncing around yeah. all over the city knocking doors, and then the next time I ran in 2015 was um, when we changed over to by district. And then 17 was my, uh, I ran in 16 for the state house, mm-hmm. and I was not running again in 17 for the Board of Aldermen. So you've been politically busy. Oh, yes. <laughs> to say the least. Yes. So I really wanted to have you on because I wanted to talk about the importance of voting. Because I remember one time when we were out door knocking and you were talking about how you're up there making laws. And I never really much thought about that. Like, oh, yeah, like these are not just like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to have this bag tax. No, like these are laws and laws have consequences. So it kind of made me really perk up and say you have to be conscious about who you're voting and what who's voting on what. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it is really important, like you said, mm-hmm. because the people that we that get elected to the local legislature, to the state, to the, to the national, mm-hmm. those are the people that are making decisions supposedly on your behalf. So yes. you have to make sure that you know who and what the record is, too. I mean, it could be difficult if there's an open seat and there's not a record to look at. But you want to make sure that you're not just voting for the nice guy. You want to make sure that you're voting for someone who represents you in a majority of aspects. You know, you're never going to find someone who you align with 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. But you should find someone that identifies with your priorities is probably the best way that I would put it. And, you know, more and more, especially as I, I become a more conscious voter and, you know, you have more information is what are the values versus, you know, like this party, this party, or this person's been there X amount of years, you know, what is that person? Who are they representing? What do they want to represent? Are they aligning with you? Because you can go with someone because, well, they have, you know, you know, nice teeth or, you know, this or that or whatever thing, you know, they have the color blue on and I like blue, but if they don't represent what you want, those next years that they're in office are going to be hard. Absolutely. Mm. And, you know, there, there's such a difference, especially on the state level versus mm. the national level. And there's such a crisis with identity politics mm. at this point. Um, I, I am a Republican, but there, it doesn't mean that I identify with every single thing that the national Republicans do. You know, a Connecticut Republican is significantly different than, let's say, a Georgia Republican. Our, our values are completely different. You know, there's the, the, the fiscal conservatism seems to be the priority here in Connecticut. 
And don't just vote for someone because they are on the team yes. that you are supporting, but you should look at each individual candidate because you may really like, for example, the mayoral candidate, but in mm-hmm. the aldermanic, you really feel that the opposite party would do a better job representing you in your particular district. So you can mix and match. You are not obligated to just pull that party lever is what it used to be. And I, I like that because, again, you everyone has their own different views. And it's like, well, you know, I really like this person, and then this one has a different view. But also I feel like when you mix and match, you have the opportunity to have everyone have the policies that represent them heard. Absolutely. And you want to, and honestly, like a balance is always more productive to me. Mm -hmm. You know, we saw it when my first session in Hartford, there was a much closer proximity with the numbers and it really made the legislation a little bit more purposeful Mm -hmm. and you can't just, no party who just has complete control Mm -hmm. and can do whatever they want is Mm -hmm. a good thing. No, you need someone to to challenge that. Right, because the devil's in the details on these things. So a a robust debate is something that we need Mm -hmm. in society. So, Mm -hmm. you know, just saying, well, I've been a Democrat, my parents are a Democrat, I I have to vote Democrat, don't you know you don't have to do that same thing for republicans yes. like you know I, I say democrat only as an example mm-hmm. but you shouldn't just vote party line you should know the people that you are looking to vote for who they are and do they stand up for the things that you believe in i absolutely agree and especially like when we tie it back into the voting and some people are like well i'm not going to go out to vote because i don't believe anyone that's there or i don't think they're going to change anything or i don't like any of their values I still say use your opportunity to vote because, like you were saying before, you might not agree with everything that person has to say, but there might be something. Right, and, you know, at the end of the day, somebody is going to win. Yes. Somebody is going to be sent to the Board of Aldermen, the mayor's office, you know, the, the Senate, the, the House, mm-hmm. and the federal seat. Someone's going. So yeah. you might as well exercise your opportunity to pick the one that you favor, even if it's a little bit more, mm-hmm. to be able to identify, you know, these things, this person supports X, Y, and Z that I'm very much in favor of. And mm-hmm. while I don't believe overall that anyone's really going to make much of a difference, mm-hmm. sometimes those votes really do, especially on the smaller stuff. It's it, People get really caught up mm-hmm. because the national politics yes. is always so gridlocked. Yes. But on a local level, I mean, your mill rate determines the dollar amount of your taxes. That's something that you should care about when you're going to the polls. Everyone's paying taxes. Yeah. And I I think everyone's go-to is like, well, I won't vote in the local. I'll wait for, like, the presidential or this or that. But those local elections, they will set you up. And they're going to affect you on your day-to-day more than the the upper elections. Absolutely. I mean, when you have a problem on your street, who do you call? You're not calling the White House, no No. matter who's there. No. You know, you have blighted neighborhoods. You're Mm -hmm. not calling the federal government. Understandably, there are positions and their policies are impactful Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that you should forego the local stuff which is really a much more day-to-day impact for your individual communities Mm -hmm. it's just you know we had 17 percent turnout in the last municipal election that's terrible that is people don't even know Mm -hmm. when i would say i'm on the board of aldermen in waterbury Mm -hmm. they would look at me with a blank face and i would say city council <laughs> and they would go, oh, okay, but it's it's sad to me that people don't even know what the board board of aldermen is or how they could participate in the process. Exactly, and it leads itself to more apathy, and people don't, and it's to their detriment. 
Exactly, because in, and that was kind of one reason why I got involved in politics, because I just wanted to know, because there wasn't really necessarily like a place to get information, like, you know, you don't even know what to Google to find out who do you go to for your traffic light sometimes. So, the you know, getting involved in all these different things and seeing, oh, the mayor is important, but your alderman, they take care of when there's blight. They take care of when you want to do like a community garden and then they coordinate at the state level and stuff like right. that. I've never felt like I've known more. I've learned so much being in the legislature, mm-hmm. just like you said, to know where to look for certain mm-hmm. things, like enough to be dangerous. Yes. Like I've got that little thing <laughs> in the back of my mind that says, hmm, I think I've heard of this before. Yeah. So it's an incredible learning experience. Mm-hmm. You know, the people who have been doing it like for a long, long oh, time, yeah. like they're just wealths of knowledge and just the, the random things that you don't even know. I mean, the, the layman, I, I peruse the statutes frequently mm-hmm. in my, in my day job, but you know, the the, the average person, you know, if I could help guide somebody yes. through or be able to say, you know, there is something like this, you should go talk to, yes. you know, public works, mm-hmm. you know, there is the, this person that there's a, an agency for that. Mm-hmm. This is how you go and, and advocate for yourself for your issue. It's, it, it's very helpful. It is. And, you know, you said 17% came out two years ago for the automatic yes. uh, election. So... Do you know roughly, for people who are not too great at math like myself, about what that translates to as far as people-wise? I don't know the Mm -hmm. number off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. And it did change. So Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of changes in the local level. So Mm -hmm. when I started out, the mayor was two-year terms, and we were all at large. Then there was the charter revision. We spent a lot of time going through the districts. Mm -hmm. And the districts closely mirror the state house districts, but not Mm -hmm. exactly. So people get really confused because... Now they're voting one year at one location and a different year at another. And the reason we had to do that was because the 71st House District, which Mm -hmm. is the west side, also incorporates Middlebury. So we had to pull Middlebury out so the districts weren't exactly the same as as the House districts, but just, you know, slightly more... Shifted, shifted. Shifted. But we went through a, a charter revision project, uh, process, which was really, really interesting mm-hmm. in how they were able to draw the lines. I mean, some streets literally have a line at the middle, but the line has to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then after that, the mayoral term went to four years. So, you know, just in the past 10 years, we've seen a lot of changes in the municipal elections world. Mm. So those kind of charter revisions and stuff, do the voters have any say or does that come kind of like from... Upper. So they created, and don't hold me to the exact detail of this because it was a couple of years ago, they create a commission mm-hmm. that is tasked with compiling the information. Mm-hmm. They hired an expert to make sure that the districts wouldn't disenfranchise any one particular group. Mm-hmm. And we there was lots of public um, opportunity to comment. Mm-hmm. People came in, they voiced their concerns. There was... Um, I think even a link on the city's website mm-hmm. that people could go look at the map mm-hmm. and see like where their street was. Yeah. One of the hot issues that unfortunately did not get solved was the Bully Manor neighborhood. Yeah. Is part of the fifth aldermanic ward, but they view themselves as East End and they view the fourth ward 
as the East End ward. Okay. So it's interesting how, you know, but the line, because of Middlebury coming out, the, the was, mm-hmm. everything kind of had to shift, and they wanted to ensure that there wasn't going to be disenfranchisement um, with any sort of group, mm-hmm. so they, they brought in an expert. It was a really, it was a lengthy process. Really? It was really, really interesting. Yeah, I learned a lot of, like, constitutionality yeah. components to it. It was fascinating. It was not on the commission, but mm-hmm. we ended up having to vote on whatever the commission put out. Interesting. Yeah. So it was kind of like, it was like nonpartisan, not, you know, but then... Yeah, they, yeah, it was not, I don't believe, I think there was like one from each party from the Board of okay. Aldermen, but they tried to pick a lot of people that were not elected officials at the time, but that were familiar enough and could, I think like Kara Suma, who's an attorney in mm-hmm. town, she's really big with the United Way, she, I believe she was on there. Mm-hmm. They tried to pick people that would be well-versed and be able to articulate, you know, especially with like constitutional questions, like mm-hmm. just the things to ask. Interesting. Yeah, but there was a lot of public comments. I remember going to a lot of the meetings. Mm-hmm. They were long. <laughs> they were long. So talking about like public comment and stuff. So at the state level, um, so just say okay, now you've exercised your right to vote. Okay, I got these people that are in there. How do you exercise your right to? have your voice heard after election at the state level. So there's so many different ways of being able to do that. And I guess the first way would be to contact your legislator if you believe that um, there's a law that is, you know, not properly worded, it's mm-hmm. having the wrong impact, mm-hmm. or you, there's just an absence of whatever you're trying mm-hmm. to do. Um, you could go to your legislator and say, you know, Mr. Legislator, mm-hmm. I'd really like to have law for blah, 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 blah. And you give them their idea. And the legislator can put in for it if it aligns with their... Their views. Their views. So we do represent our districts, but at some point in time, we have to be careful of what we're putting in because mm-hmm. we represent the district collectively. So yes. if there's something that I know that the district would be really, really opposed to, but one person really wants it, we kind of have to weigh. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's, it's a difficult balance sometimes mm-hmm. to... to for satisfaction purposes, yeah. like you want everyone to be heard, so we yeah. at least listen to everybody's mm-hmm. idea. And if we know we're not the right person to put mm-hmm. it in, we can always recommend somebody else. Mm-hmm. There's so many varying views up there, but I think that just kind of ties back to knowing who you're voting for. Because if you're very, like, to say progressive, and the person that's in office is more strictly conservative, and like you know, this whole district kind of wants this one thing. Yes, that you know. Again, they do listen, but if that does not avo- uh, you know uh, align with their moral views, they're less likely to have that your issue pushed through than if you're like, okay, this person's more progressive or more right. about the environment or this particular issue. Absolutely, and it, it doesn't mean that it just because one person is progressive or mm-hmm. conservative that they maybe can't find. Mm-hmm. So I've actually one of the most conservative members of the House, who's now a senator, Rob mm-hmm. Sampson. Mm-hmm has a very he's very much like a constitutional guy Mm -hmm. so even if it's a progressive issue if Mm -hmm. it fits in his constitutional view Mm -hmm. he doesn't care he doesn't Mm -hmm. care who proposed it it's Mm -hmm. like he's got this very clear view Mm -hmm. of uh what is constitutional to Mm -hmm. him and if he feels that it's a progressive issue but does it doesn't matter to him Mm -hmm. he'll fight for it either way so you should at least have that conversation with your legislator and ask them how they feel Mm -hmm. and then if there's consensus then we you know we can Mm -hmm. always put it in then it goes to a committee process, and it's kind of out of the hands of the individual <laughs> legislators. This is where it gets wild. Yes. So we put the bill in. So tell us about that. Yeah. So each bill has to be assigned to a particular committee, and there are so many different committees, and we're typically assigned to three. So mm-hmm. they try to assign our bills to committees that we're on, but sometimes that just doesn't happen. Okay. 
So you put your bill in, and then the committee leadership will determine whether or not your bill is going to get a public hearing. And then the committee votes. You know, the agenda comes out. It's kind of already foregone once mm-hmm. the leadership has kind of decided what's going to mm-hmm. move, what's not going to move. And there's a lot of horse trading in this. Mm-hmm. Like, especially in the Judiciary Committee, we do a lot of really controversial bills. Mm-hmm. So the gun bills, for example. When yes. we're raising bills for public hearing, we will raise very conservative members' bills and very progressive members' bills and then have a debate on all of it for the public hearing component. Okay. So they try to be, the Judiciary Committee especially, really tries to be fair in mm-hmm. raising uh, bills on both sides of a controversial topic. Mm-hmm. But the leadership, really, they hash things out. They'll say, okay, you know, we'll go for your gun bill and you're going to go for ours just to have a public hearing. Yes. In the, in the effort of fairness, which mm-hmm. is wonderful. So once it gets a public hearing, that's where you can come up and you can testify. Now, each committee functions a little differently, and this is where the process is really frustrating mm-hmm. to a lot of people. It's because you go up, so say for a judiciary committee meeting, you go up, you sign in, and then you the first hour is always dedicated to public officials and okay. like dignitaries. So mm-hmm. um, you get them have, out of there so they can get back to work. Right. So like <laughs> if we're like the, the state's attorney would be mm-hmm. someone on there, another legislator will be someone in the first hour, but only the first hour. So if the first person, like the state's attorney, takes up the whole hour. Then it starts rotating back and forth. So oh. then they'll go public member, you know, official. Okay. Public member, official. Public members get three minutes okay. in judiciary of just speaking time. And then there's question and answer. So the members of the committee can ask as many questions as oh, they want. Really? So there's no time length, which okay. makes it problematic for people who have jobs. Oh. Because you could be sitting there all day long oh. and you don't know when your turn is going to be. So it's not like you could sign up for the 11 o'clock slot. Yeah. I can go to work until 11, yeah. pop over, do my thing, mm-hmm. and then leave work. It's completely undetermined. So you have to be willing to forego an entire day. If you're there so on you, a this has to better be an issue that you're passionate about because right. you're going to be in there for the long haul. Right. And the alternative is to, su- to submit written testimony. Okay. So you can submit written testimony and the, the committee will get copies of everything. Mm-hmm. It kind of cuts both ways because the committee is the the stories that people tell in front of the committee and the opportunity to ask questions is really important in yes. getting something out of committee. But once we get to the general house floor and there's a bill before me, if it wasn't on my committee and I'm trying to figure out like who supports this mm-hmm. bill, when I go and I look at the testimony, I can't see who testified. I can only see who submitted written testimony. Oh. So the best thing I can recommend is if you can burn a day, appear in person, and then also submit written testimony kind of summarizing yeah. your remarks. And if but you, also, that's a good experience just to kind of go up there and see how it all functions. Oh, it's, oh it is quite the experience. Mm-hmm. And some of, the more, some of them are just, you know, very tame, but some of them are just wild. I, yeah. mean, I mean, it gets kind of controversial up at the state level. Absolutely. So, like, what kind of issues do, at the state level, do you guys tackle? So, I sit on Judiciary, Children's Committee, and I'm the ranking member on the Commerce Committee. So, they're all pretty different. So, mm-hmm. Judiciary, we handle a lot of the big, heavy public policy mm-hmm. issues. We will handle, um, like, marijuana. That will be one of the really? ones that we handle. We handle all of the gun bills. So, those are very sensitive, yes. personal issues to people. We handle all of the youth violence stuff. We handle... All of the, All the stuff where there's no easy solution. There, there's no cut and dry. Yeah, there is no right or wrong. Like, no. there's something muddled in the middle. Yeah. The, the more I know, the more, like, gray I see in life. Yeah. When I was young, man, I knew everything. Black and white. Right. Yes, right or wrong. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I can see that side, that side. and oh, 
Right. Yeah. And where do you, how do you, so we do a lot of like all of those kinds mm-hmm. of issues. Children's committee focuses on things like, um, vaping will be one that we, that we'll definitely be covering. Last year we did a tobacco 21. That was another one. Energy drinks, all stuff that pertains to children and then commerce is much more of a business focused. Mm. So we do things like the um, manufacturing apprenticeship tax credits, making sure that schools are tracking kids going into uh, trades, not just kids going into college, mm. those kinds of things, enterprise zones. So it's, a, it's way more, it's not, not very controversial. We certainly have some issues that get testy, mm-hmm. um, but it's myself, Joan Hartley, Caroline Simmons, who's the rep from Stanford, and then Henry Martin. Um, and we're such a, we work so well together. You know, it's fabulous, especially if three women on the leadership and Henry. <laughs> it's great, but it's, it's, it's so nice that you have these, these women that working together yes. in the position of power. Joan Hartley is just wonderful, and she's we're opposite parties, but she's a good mentor. And it's it's nice because there's diversity in age and in, in location and ideas. Because then you really get to have a bill that represents different people, different ideas. You and again talking about those details, you know, mm-hmm. thinking like, okay, like this is great, but then what about this and what about this and what right. about that? And you can kind of agree to disagree and it doesn't get ugly. Correct. Mm-hmm. It's really just issue focused rather yes. than personal. Yes. And I think that, you know, my training as a lawyer has always kind of like I could argue and I feel like hey let's go get a beer afterwards but that's hard for people who have their identity is some of these bills so it's it's a very sensitive issue for some Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. Um, but you're right having the diversity of you know Caroline and I are both young females she's Mm -hmm. a Democrat I'm a Republican she's Mm -hmm. got a child I don't Mm -hmm. we see things differently but Mm -hmm. we can agree on and we'll listen to each other Mm -hmm. every single one of our bills came out on unanimous consent out of committee Mm. Um, but there's also you know in, in the process, people, and I, I was victim of this too, you know, you go in and you have all these ideas, yeah. you're going to get it done this yeah. year. It doesn't happen necessarily. Some of the issues that, you know, you think that you've figured all these issues out, but then you have all of these other interests that come in and say, well, have you thought of this? Have yes. you thought of that? And you haven't because it's just, you only know what you know. Exactly. Um, so there's a lot of times that they convene working groups. So we've I'm on two working groups mm-hmm. this summer in fall uh, working on different issues through the commerce committee mm-hmm. so we can have all of the interests at the table so by the time we roll around to session there's something prepared ready to go mm-hmm. so there definitely are ways to be involved yeah. kind of ongoing and if, don't be disappointed if your bill doesn't make it the first time mm-hmm. around <laughs> that's just the nature of the beast it's like a whole nother world it's like so many different things so many things to consider and i like how you talked about um you go in thinking that you're going to get all this done, and then like sometimes that's not the reality. It because again, like from a voter standpoint, you're like, well, they said they were going to go in and do all this, and it didn't get done. And I think we have that conversation a lot at the presidential level when we hear all these ideas when they have the debates, and we realize that four years isn't a lot of time. But at the smaller level, the state and the local level, we don't really apply that same thinking. Like, oh, even though they wanted to do all this right. and change all this. It doesn't have enough time to get that done. And sometimes just starting the conversation and starting to change the mentality of people. You know, mm-hmm. the, some of these bills take a long time to get through, but the more we talk about it and the more we flesh out the details, mm-hmm. the closer we get to a solution. So mm-hmm. while it may not be the immediate solution, we mm-hmm. may be much closer than we were previously. Absolutely. 
so very interesting. Like I'm even just thinking just about a whole like I'm like wow. It's it's fascinating. The it whole is. process is fascinating. And you have to remember that there are 151 reps in the House and 36 senators, and everyone has their own agendas. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of agendas to have to deal with. So there's a lot of horse trading that goes on, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of times that things are somewhat aligned and not quite. So you have to give a little. You know, there's only so many so much time in a day and yeah. so many bills we could vote on with 151 people mm-hmm. trying to push their their own bills and get something done. Do you only do that like during session or is that like a year long period? So what we are, we will convene regular session. This is a short year, so we'll mm-hmm. go February through May. Mm-hmm. Long years are January through June. So it's really okay. not a long period of time. We start out with the committee process and then we start going into session like one day mm-hmm. and then it gets, you know, one day more frequently mm-hmm. and then one two days, three okay. days and by the end mm-hmm. when we're going close to wrapping up, we're there every single day. We mm-hmm. typically start at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. There's no close time. We don't know what time we're going to get out, which is which is one of the difficult things mm-hmm. about being someone who has a job yeah. outside of the, the legislative building. Mm-hmm. You know, we go, we're in, and then the, the last session, if you ever want to see people behave like um, <laughs> auctioneers, they tell us a couple hours in advance, if you need to use the bathroom... Go now. Stop. Swear to God. Because they start going so fast that it's really easy to miss a vote. You could, and the bathroom is just like right out the door. Mm -hmm. You could miss a vote if you have to use the ladies room. Oh my God. Yeah. Or multiple votes because they're moving so fast. And that's actually also one of the most dangerous parts of session because they're going so fast and you really have to watch your, so we're the ranking and then the chairs are on the Democratic Mm -hmm. side. They're the ones who know what is the, the problem mm-hmm. bills. So we, we have to watch what they're doing to, mm-hmm. to signal to us because all the other committees, and you don't have, you can't possibly read every single piece of legislation. No. So you're relying on other people to be able to tell you what the problems are and flag issues for you. And when they're speeding right along, you just do not have time to yes. do a full in-depth review mm-hmm. of this bill. So you have to really trust your colleagues. That it, so it's interesting because there is importance of voting as the voter, as the citizen, but even you guys on your level, because like you said, like if you really are passionate about something, but you got to use that bathroom, you could end up missing your crucial vote. Correct. Correct. My goodness. And when the bell rings, when the bell rings at the like the very end of session, we're already all kind of like mm-hmm. stuck in our chairs. Mm-hmm. But on regular nights, when it's not this and like yeah. quick, quick, quick thing, because when at the end of session, when midnight strikes. We turn into a pumpkin. That's it. We're done. Uh, but when the bell rings, people kind of trickle out of different places. Like, we, we eat dinner there every night. Mm-hmm. So the bell rings, and all of a sudden you see this, like, mass of people come out of, like, the woodwork. Literally out of the woodwork. And go into vote. So. Oh, my gosh. And there's, you know, people will say, well, if you're not in your seat, you're not watching the debate. There are TVs set up everywhere. So sometimes we're in the back. We're all watching what's mm-hmm. happening. You know, we're plotting, we're talking, we're mm-hmm. getting prepared because we know that our bill is going to be up in a bit. So we're getting prepared for our remarks. Yeah. There's a lot of m- moving pieces that are happening all at once. So it's not just yeah. you go, you sit, you push the button. Mm-hmm. It is you juggle this and you juggle that. Interesting. So, so like something. Def- you also come up and visit me for I a I do. I do. And then we can t- chat about it on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> So 
So thank you so much for coming and talking about the importance of voting and letting us know how you guys vote up on mm-hmm. that level there. Um, I really <clears throat> do appreciate it. I hope you had a blast. I certainly did. Thank you so much <laughs> well, for having me on. Yes, thank you. Now, before we head on out, tell the people if you have anything going on, anything you want them to know. So w- one thing I want you to know is the, the elections are coming up. Make sure that you reach out to the people who are in your district if they have not reached out to you, which, you know, shame on them if they have not. But maybe they just haven't reached you yet. And ask them about the questions that you have in regards to the issues that are important to you. It's a municipal year. You know, have your questions answered. Make sure that when you go into the voting booth, you are an informed voter. And thank you. If you have any questions for me in the state level, you can always reach me at stephanie.cummings at cga.ct.gov. Thanks so much, Liz. Thank you. And we'll have to have you back. Absolutely. I'll be back. (laughs) Bye.